Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans to join the team that revolves around beer. My name is Tyler, aka T-Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor for reviewing the brew for Fansighted and one of the founders of the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy podcast. You can find all we do on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod. As always, I'm joined with good buddy Trevor, a.k.a. Sunshine Bender. You can find him on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. He is the host of our Packers Trilogy podcast. But as always, here to talk Brewers baseball. So, how are you doing tonight, buddy? Well, this game did not make my night any better. But I currently just watched Jed Jerko get the first out of the ninth inning as a pitcher. So, that's interesting. (laughs) As I'm sure you guys know, the Brewers are getting smoked. Uh, it is 12 to 2, and that's what it is with one out in the top of the ninth. Um, but I've had a pretty good day, pretty good week so far. Can't complain. I am getting close to having an operational kegerator in my house, and actually a keyser. And yes, that is what it's called, Tyler. So that's exciting. Uh, probably tomorrow. Probably be able to pour in my first beer from the Keezer, so that's exciting. And that's what I'm looking I'm looking on the, the positive sides, and if we're looking at this Brewer game tonight, there is not much for positives. Yeah, a Keezer just still sounds like a made-up word to me. Like, I thought you sneezed, and that's what popped out of your mouth. Like, <laughs> it just sounds so awkward. But I'm excited for you. I'm excited for me, because I bought a mini kegerator so I could store some of your beer for longer, because... And it can start up for up to three months, which is a plus. So I'm excited. Well, hopefully for that. you don't need to store it for that long. That's true. If the Brewers keep playing the way they did tonight, it definitely won't. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so well, with that being said, we'll get into our Twins recap. In case you haven't noticed, I'm still using my, what probably sounds like to you, evil villain voice because I don't have a microphone yet. My mini USB is still in route, so bear with me here for a couple more podcasts through that. Brewers lose two out of three games versus the Twins. Game one was a 4-2 to loss. All four of the runs came off that grand slam that Adrian Hauser allowed in the third inning. And really what kind of set it up was Hauser gave up a few hits. There was that Yelich no call. Then he just barely nicked Nelson Cruz and beamed him. And then Eddie Rosario, of course, crushes the grand slam. Freddie Peralta piggybacked with Adrian Hauser in game one to finish off the game. So just two pitchers used. Offensively, the Brewers scored off an Orlando Arcia double and a Keston Hira solo home run. Game two was a very exciting Brewers win, 6-4. to four. It was a very home run heavy game. 
Lindblom gave up two solo shots in the first inning, and then Avi Garcia hit a leadoff home run. Best leadoff hitter of all time right there. <laughs> and then, of course, Eddie Rosario would have another monster game. He had a multi-homer game, but also so did Manny Pena for the Brewers. Jed Jerko would eventually hit the go-ahead two-run homer in the bottom of the eighth inning, followed by Josh Hader picking up the save in the ninth. He worked his way through the one through four hitters of the Twins. Game three... As we are mentioning, absolutely disastrous. Eric Lauer gives up five runs in the second inning, which means he's now given up 11 earned runs in the second inning of starts this year. Justin Grimm got tagged. He gave up four earned runs in the fifth in- inning. Heck, even Eric Yardley gave up a run, ending his scoreless streak this year. So Brewers getting crushed. They experimented around. Orlando Arcia played some center field for the first time in his career. And as Trevor mentioned, Jed Jerko was pitching. I don't think it was quite as entertaining as what Hernan Perez used to do and when he tried to imitate Claudio. But, hey, it's still funny to watch these position players pitch from time to time. With all that being said, what are your overall thoughts on the series? Well, you mentioned... um that Arcia went and played center field. And during that time, B.A. and Rock mentioned that he tucks his ears into his hat, and that was the biggest takeaway. I couldn't believe a human <laughs> tucks his damn ears into his hat. I was, like, dumbfounded when I saw that. How was that comfortable? I mean, if anyone should be doing that, it should be Eric Sogard. He's got some pointy elf-looking ears. <laughs> <laughs> well, then Tyler Clippard needs to do it as well. <laughs> It's true. They're double gangers after all. (laughs) Um, No, but in all seriousness, right now my mind is just on this terrible, terrible game. Um, And I'm actually still watching it. Smoke just got a double down the left field line. Nice little nugget there. Just barely fair. Um, But that's exciting a little bit. So other than that, I think... For me, it was nice to see Hader again. You know, he did have a walk in his save in this series. But, again, lots and lots of sliders. You know, he's striking people out with that pitch. Tyler has here that two of the three strikeouts came from that slider. He looks like Josh Hader with increased amount of sliders. And he looks more unhittable right now than he has been when he's been when he was the National League Reliever of the Year last year. For me, I think that's the biggest takeaway. Other than that, Manny Pena, you know, I'm sure we'll get to this a little bit later, but is he, with Omar Nervaez struggling, is he going to start getting some more opportunities behind the plate? Mainly because right now we all know he's the better defensive catcher, but also (laughs) right now he's the better guy at the plate too. So um, that'll be interesting to see kind of what happens there. Hopefully Narvaez comes up because we really need him to start to play a little bit better. And for me, those are the big two is it was nice seeing Hader again. Manny Pena looked phenomenal. And you mentioned uh, Avi Garcia. That, that was fun to watch in his leadoff experiment in game two of this one. <laughs> yeah, and we'll get to the lineups in a little bit, but I agree. It was really good to see Hader. I almost forgot we had him. And you mentioned the sliders. In fact, all four of the batters he faced, he started with first pitch sliders, which I thought is a fun little nugget to throw out there. But let's go back to Manny Pena. You brought him up. I mean, he had the multi home run game, which was the first ever of his career. And 
during the game, BA and Rock were just talking about, you know, like, look how pumped up Manny Pena is behind the plate. Like, he keeps pitchers, like, involved and vested and, and sharp to what they're doing, as well as being really good at blocking pitches and has a really good throwing arm. And offensively, he's outproducing Omar Narvaez this year. So I kind of wanted to pose the question to you, like, is, does he deserve to be the everyday catcher? I don't think he's the that answer going forward, like, in years to come. Like, I think they want Omar Narvaez to be that guy. But this year, in a shortened season, do you make the switch right now? Because Craig Council has been rolling with a lot of platoons, and the catcher platoon looks like the only clear one where we have a favorite to who could start every day. But what are your thoughts? I kind of mentioned this when we were, I think it was either after the first series, maybe it was right before the season started, we talked about this catcher platoon. And I said, Nervias for four, Manny Pena catches one pitcher. And right now, I'm not sure if I want to completely flip that where Manny's catching four in a row and then Nervias is catching one pitcher. I'd like it to switch a little bit, though. I'd like it to be like three and two in Manny's favor because I still think Nervias is such a great talent offensively and he just needs to kind of realize that and get back to what he is normally because that's going to be huge for this Brewers team down the stretch into the postseason hopefully so I do think you need to keep him on and or get him on in this case just like that's why we continue to see Justin Smoke get opportunities. That's why this early season is important for Christian Yelich and really Keston Hira. It looked like he was coming out of it, and then, you know, he struck out a bunch this series. So hopefully getting those guys back on, including Omar Narvaez, I think is very, very, very important. So not completely getting rid of him in terms of having Manny be the everyday catcher, but right now, I think Manny deserves a few more opportunities than Nervias, but Nervias still needs that time, those at-bats, whether it be in the DH spot or actually catching. He does need at-bats to get back to where we thought he would be at this point in, in the season. Yeah, and the DH, I think, is a good way to still get him in the lineup. I mean, he is supposed to be a really good offensive catcher. We said in the beginning of the year, we... You know, we expected to not see much of a dip from what Grandal did. <laughs> uh, well, so far, we're very off on that. <laughs> so hopefully, Narvaez can turn it around in that regard because he would be a great left-handed bat to have in the lineup and really utilize, you know, the what Miller Park does with left-handed batters. That's what we fully expected, and we just have not seen any signs of life out of his bat so far. So, yeah, and... Speaking of Nervias, he actually just struck out to end the game, so that's nice. Oh, lovely. All right. Enough catcher talk. Let's talk about <laughs> something positive here. We did get to see Luis Urias make his first Brewers debut, and he collected a hit in his first at-bat. It was, it was pretty good there, and he had a pretty good series overall. Of course, Logan Morrison was DFA'd to make room for him, so... Let's start Let's start with those two. What were your first thoughts on Urias, and are you mad about Lomo being DFA'd at all? I mean, no. Um, I think that tells you that David Stearns has more faith in smoke coming out of this than Logan Morrison. Um, you know, everyone was hoping for a resurgent 
year from Logan Morrison and Justin Smoke for that matter. But I think this tells us that David Stearns believes Justin Smoke is more likely to get out of this. And bringing up Urias is, I, I think that's awesome. It's fun. It's fun to get the new guys up there. Previous series, I don't know if he was in it much this series. I can't remember. Um, looks like only one at back. Mark Mathias is new and interesting person to watch in the outfield, and he had some exciting at-bats and things, his first hit, all of that kind of stuff. It's always fun to watch that. I think the competition with Arcia is going to be important. It's going to continue to have Arcia work, and it's also going to give you an option at third base because that Urias can play there. And he can be good there, so that gives you an opportunity there. Maybe that gives Jed Jerko a little bit more of a chance at first if Justin Smoke isn't figuring it out. I just think the versatility of all these players, it allows Council to do more of his lineup manipulations and figure out what's working, and another player just adds to that. And I think it's going to help not only Urias, uh, not only the Brewers in general, but I also think it's going to help Arcia because I think he does play good when there is that competition behind him. Yeah, and Matthias was fun to watch, too. He was actually optioned down to the alternative training site at some point during this week. I can't remember when. But my first impressions of Urias, I mean, yeah, the versatility sticks out to me. He played primarily second base coming up through the minors, but as you mentioned, has arm strength to play third. I mean, from an offensive standpoint, though, like, does he fit the you know, the typical power profile of a third baseman in the major leagues? No, not really. I mean, you can usually tell, like, the difference between just appearance in, like, younger players and MLB-ready players. And Luis Sarias to the eye, like, he's not a very big guy. He looks like someone who's more so going to impact game with his legs. He's not, I mean, it's not super fast guy, but, you know, definitely a lot faster than, say, like, what Jed Jerko is on the team. And, I mean, he really strives by just putting bat on the ball and making contact. He did have a little bit of a power surge in AAA last year, hit 19 home runs, but that was really an, an outlying year, and, I mean, across Major League Baseball it was. So, I mean, for me, yeah, Urias playing anywhere is good. I don't expect a lot of power out of him, especially, you know, not yet. Maybe in years to come, maybe he could be a 20 home run guy at best. 15, I think, is probably being more realistic. But this year, I'm just excited to see him get out there. And I think, really, for him, the competition's good for Arcia, like you said. But if Urias wants to play, he's going to have to hit his way into the lineup, which really shouldn't be that hard, given how much the Brewers' offense has struggled so far this year. Yeah, I I just want to mention, you know, I get this way, too, at times, because I'm, but you know, baseball is a game of tradition, right? And so when things change... Um, you know, I know there's a lot of baseball fans that don't really care for the way the game is going and the way like Craig Council manages the game, all those types of things. And, you know, these stereotypical positions are very obvious. You know, your center fielder is your fast guy. Your corner infield are typically bigger guys that can hit for power. Shortstop, second baseman, those are your best defenders on the field. Like all those different things, these stereotypes, I get it. But also at the same time, if a player doesn't fit that, but they're a good player defensively, they can hit at the plate, even if it's not too the typical kind of stereotype, then it doesn't really bother me. But like, it is kind of weird seeing a guy that's playing third base that is looks more like 
say a shortstop, a center fielder, a second baseman, and hits for average more than anything, like it is a little strange. But if he if he can hit for a decent average, have a little bit uh, of pop in his bat, not a ton, but occasionally can get one over the fence and things like that. I think that could be a very good asset for the Brewers at third base who don't really have a standout third baseman at this point. Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. And like Craig Council is one of those guys who is not afraid to go against the trend of what the typical mold of a position player is supposed to be offensively. So that is especially good given the roster construction that we currently have. With that being said, there's been a lot of talk, especially on Twitter, about, you know, what should the lineup look like? Where should these guys play? So I think we're going to do a little exercise here where we're going to construct our ideal starting lineup right now based off what we know in the season. It's a win or go home lineup versus a right-handed pitcher. We're going to throw, throw our best lineup out there and we'll talk about positions as well. So... Trevor, let's go through this one at a time. I'll say my leadoff hitter, then you, and so forth. We'll work our way through the lineup. So in my offensive lineup, I have Eric Sogard batting leadoff at shortstop. Who do you got? Okay. <laughs> so the reason I wanted to mention this stereotype thing is because this is not a stereotypical leadoff hitter at all. And people are probably going to call me an idiot for this, and I don't really care. So hit me up on Twitter if you want to do that at Bender underscore Trevor, but I'm going to do it because he's had very limited opportunities and he, like I said, is not the stereotypical leadoff hitter, but in his limited opportunities right now, if we are putting a lineup together that I want, that I feel like he's going to get on base, gives you a little bit of pop, has is hitting for a decent average this year, good on base percentage, I'm going to go with first baseman Jed Jerko. Whoa, all right. <laughs> yeah, that defines all things of a leadoff hitter, especially in the speed category. <laughs> oh. Well, th- he gets on base. Keston hits a home run. He doesn't have to run the bases fast. Yes, that's true. Keston would probably catch up to him jogging around the bases. He's that slow. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's my second hitter, if you didn't get that. Se- Keston at second. Yeah, same with me. I have Keston at second as well, so at least we agree on that. Do you have Yelich at third? Yes, sir. All right. Do you have Yelich playing the outfield as well? Left, yep. Okay. For cleanup, I decided to go with Ryan Braun, and I put him in right field. Okay. Um, I have a different player there. I am going with Avi Garcia in playing center field. Okay. So then that brings us to the five spot. So that's where I put Avi Garcia in center field. I put Manny Pena catching in the five hole. Interesting. Sixth, I went with your leadoff hitter, Jed Jerko, and I put Jerko at first base because we did see him play a little bit of first this series, and I'm excited for it. I like that idea. Sixth, I got Brawny batting, and he's the DH. All right. Seventh, I went with Manny Pena, and I do have him as the catcher. I have... Gamble playing right field, and I know he's been struggling a little bit lately offensively, but I feel like the potential's there to be effective, and in the seven hole, I can deal with that, and I like his defense in right field, so that's why I put him in there. That's fair. Makes sense. That's kind of my reasoning for my eight hitter. I went with Nervaez, but I put him at the DH, obviously, just because I feel like his bat should get going at some point here, and I hope it does. (laughs) 
Yeah, and like I like I mentioned earlier, I feel like he does need to be in the lineup to get his bat going. And unfortunately, I did not put him in my lineup. But in my eight hole, um, and really my eight nine hole, I was debating on if I wanted these two players flipped. But I went with Urias playing third and Arcia playing shortstop. And I, again, I like kind of the potential. I like the gloves that they have, and I think that. If they play good, and Arcia has been solid at the plate this year. I know he's not going to bat 300 for the whole year, but that's what he's batting right now on base percentage of 343. I know uh, Eric Sogars has a little bit higher on base percentage, but OPS Orlando Arcia is killing him in OPS. So I I wanted Orlando's glove, and I also just feel like he's batting a little bit better. He's not getting as many walks, but I feel like he is that good second leadoff hitter. Yeah, nothing's wrong with Arcia in the ninth spot. We talked about that when we learned there was going to be universal DH. But for me, I went with Urias in the ninth spot because he has that little extra speed component as your second leadoff hitter can hit for contact. So in recap, my offense was Sogard, Hira, Yelich, Braun, Garcia, Jerko, Pina, Nervias, Urias, and Trevor's lineup was Jerko, Hira, Yelich, Garcia, Pina, Braun, Gamel, Urias, Arcia. Now, what if we did the same thing for starting pitchers? If you could choose five starting pitchers right now, what would that rotation look like? I just, before we do that, I just want to, and I think you're going to agree with this, but I know you didn't have this written down, so I just wanted to say it. I feel like relief pitchers, if everything goes perfect, your starter gives you a six, you go Williams, Phelps, Hayter, seven, eight, nine. Do you agree with that? Yeah, you could maybe mix Phelps and Williams around. I don't, I don't know how much of a difference that makes, but they're definitely the high leverage guys so far. Okay, good. So let's go to starting pitching. I think number one is very, very easy, and that's Brandon Woodruff. Of course, I figured you would know this. I put Corbin Burns in the two-hole. Adrian Hauser is our third starter, and I feel very confident with those three. This one I feel like is going to be a little bit of a controversy, and the reason is is he pitches better out of the pen. But I think he's deserved another shot, and that's Freddie Fastball in the four spot and then Josh Lindblom as our fifth starter. Interesting. Yeah, mine was similar to yours. I want Woody, Hauser, Burns, Lindblom, Anderson. So really, yeah, your your Freddie Peralta one there is pretty controversial because I too really like him out of the bullpen. He just he just sits back and just I think he just lets everything go. Like he doesn't care. He leaves you know, he empties out the tank when he's coming out of the bullpen. But And and I think if if that's the case that it's just a mentality thing, this is all mental then for him not being as effective and mainly consistent as a starting pitcher as he is out of the pen. So you nail down that mentality and get him in the right state of mind before he goes out for starting pitching, I think he can be just as effective. It's just getting him to that point of being effective as a starting pitcher, and maybe maybe he can never be that. Maybe he's just better as a relief pitcher, but I do love the way he's pitching right now. And as a young guy, giving him another opportunity, I don't think would be a bad thing. Now, maybe Craig Council thinks, let's get him 
all the confidence in the world this year and maybe try it again next year as a starting pitcher. Maybe that's the route they go. But if it was me calling the shots, and thank goodness that's not a thing, I would love to see Freddie Peralta in, in the starting rotation. Yeah, the potential's definitely there. And, yeah, it's, I don't know what they'll do. I mean, they started with him in the rotation to begin the year, and then he gave up those four-earned runs against the Cubs. I believe it was an opening series, and then I haven't seen him in the starting rotation since, um, from what I can remember off the top of my head. And then kind of the same with Corbin Burns. We both agree he should be in the starting rotation, and we talked about it on the last podcast. But doesn't look like that's going to happen for the Cubs series. But I don't want to get ahead of myself. Let's finish recapping this twin series here by doing our famous studs. And duds. So, who do you want to start with first? Uh, MVP or a dud? <sighs> Let's start positive. There is enough negative thoughts running through my head after this 12-2 loss. Um, so, for me, there's two players that I can go with. I'm going to go the one that excited me just a little bit more this series, and that's Manny Pena. Three for five, a double, two home runs, three RBIs. I know that isn't quite the level of opportunities that some of the other players have had in this series, but you go three for five, a double, two home runs, and three RBIs, yeah, I think you definitely deserve some thought and deserve the series MVP because there was maybe a couple other guys offensively that you could bring up, mainly in that second game. But other than that, I don't think there was any really outstanding pitching performances you know Hader looked good but that's what Hader does all the time so he's got to really impress me even though that's not really fair to him but he's got to really impress me to get a series MVP yeah I think Hader might have to pick up like two saves to get a you know like a series MVP or you know yeah, something two like saves that. maybe one of them is a two inning save you know he's he's got to impress at this point his level of expectations he's set the bar so damn high that now it's got to be really impressive stuff for him to get on this list, I feel like. Yeah, I would agree with that. And for my series MVP, I'm going to go with a big contributor from the game that we won as well, and that was the guy who delivered the go-ahead two-run homer in Jed Jerko. So obviously, clutch at bat there. That definitely helped us at least get one win. And and plus, he threw a scoreless ninth in the series finale, so (laughs) you can't argue with those results. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) (laughs) On a completely other serious note, I think, like honorable mentions for series MVPs, I do want to give our high-leverage relievers a shout-out. David Phelps, Devin Williams, they were good. They both struck out two apiece, looked really sharp. I mean, when you count on those guys to deliver, seeing how they've earned these spots, and they did, and that was a big game to get. Otherwise, we would have been swept in the series if they would have faltered. So they're my honorable mentions in that category. And for my honorable mentions, I honestly thought that you were going to go with him for series MVP, and that's Avi Garcia. I know Jerko's home run was in a more important spot, but Avi Garcia, it was great to see him back a little bit and have a really good game in that leadoff and you know four for ten for the series 400 average that's respectable a home run you know that's 
especially the leadoff home run. That just got me so excited, especially after falling down 2-0 right away. Um, it was nice to, to get those back right away. And three of those hits in the series came when he was batting leadoff, so maybe there's a correlation there. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe. Pretty limited sample size. I, I honestly thought about putting him as my leadoff hitter, but I thought it was like one game. I'm going to rely on that as my point for putting him in the leadoff and then I put someone that doesn't make any sense in the leadoff so you know whatever works <laughs> hey don't overthink things think the opposite you know that's what you did I'll, I'll give you credit for thinking outside the box there putting Jerko <laughs> at the leadoff hitter <laughs> <laughs> all right how about for serious dud who do you got <sighs> Eric Lauer I think you mentioned it in the re uh, the game three recap in his two starts in the second inning he is given up 11 earned runs just in the second inning alone. I think that might be his only earned. No, he gave up some more. He's basically just throw him out there. He can be the, our bullpen game. Throw him out there for an inning, he's fine. But to put him in the second, uh, So, yeah, I think for me that one's not even a question for me. It's, it's Lauer is my dud. Yeah, that is very well-deserving, and, you know, granted, some of those weren't his fault, like Yelich lost the ball in the sun, Garcia dropped one, there was a couple broken bad hits, but, uh, yeah, okay. Lauer, I think we've reached the end of his starting rotation in Milwaukee, at least for this Cor- year. Yep, Corbin Burns is coming in at his spot, I think. But, now that you mentioned that Yelich thing, why the fuck is he not wearing sunglasses when this is his home field, how do you, I don't understand. You can't complain about the sun and then just not be wearing sunglasses. What, what is the point of going out there knowing that you're not going to be able to see, but you're just going to let it happen. I don't understand that at all. Like that makes zero, zero sense to me. Why you are going to go out there and not allow yourself the best opportunity to help your team win and for what reason? I, I just don't understand that at all. Baseball players do some really weird things. Like, I'll see players battling the sun, and then their sunglasses are sitting on top of their hat. Like That kills me. That kills <laughs> me. It's <laughs> so bizarre. <laughs> I will not pretend to understand why they do that. It makes zero sense to me. <laughs> but as soon as you mentioned that, I knew I wanted to say that sometime during this podcast, and I almost forgot, so thank you for that. Great minds think alike. I got you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My series, Dud, was Ben Gamble. Hitless for the series, 0 for 9 with five strikeouts. He's striking out like like mid 40s percent like on the year in his at bats and for when we lost Lorenzo Cain I was actually you know like excited for Ben Gamble's opportunity and he just has not delivered and it's making for a big hole now that we have in an outfield spot which is why when I constructed my lineup that's why I put Ryan Braun out there because at least he should be able to put some productive at-bats together once he finally gets back in the swing of things for he was hitless this series as well, too. But, yeah, Ben Gamble, my series dud for sure. He had a great catch today, though. He certainly did. Yeah, his, his defense is pretty good. I still wish that he would play more center field, but I guess that's not to, up to me. To me, that makes more sense. That's a, It feels like a more natural position to have him in center field and Garcia and Wrights, but 
Council's going to do what he is going to do, and I can sit here and say what I would do, but Council has the job for a reason. He's a very good manager, and I trust him, so I'm just going to let him do all that uh, managing stuff. (laughs) He's thinking outside the box like you, because typically your corner outfielders have a stronger throwing arm, which Garcia has, and your center fielder's quicker, maybe not as strong a throwing arm like Ben Gamble, but... (laughs) Outside the box thinking by Craig Council, as you know there. <laughs> All right, let's shift over to our next series. We got the Cubs coming up. So let's just start with by saying, fuck the Cubs. They're doing really good this year. They just swept the Indians after they were laid off all weekend because the Cardinals are a bunch of idiots and still not playing baseball. So we will see Brett Anderson versus Hugh Darvish on Thursday, Brandon Woodruff versus Tyler Chatwood Friday, Adrian Hauser versus Alex Mills on Saturday, and then Josh Lindboom versus John Lester on Sunday. So what are you looking forward to in this series? I mean, any series that we get to see Brandon Woodruff, I am looking forward to that. It'll be interesting to see where Corbin Burns plays into this. Are they going to let him pitch a 2 to three inning outing here in game one of the series and then put him in the starting rotation for the first game, which I think is against the twins, but in Minnesota, if I remember correctly. So that'll be interesting to see kind of where Burns is and how they use him is going to tell us a lot about what they're thinking for him in the future, um, in the short term future. Anyways, other than that, it's can, can this Brewers team, go in and win three at Wrigley because at this point that I feel like that's what we need because the Cubs have been so dominant early. You, you mentioned, I think they're before this Brewers lost, they were five and a half up and then they won. So now they're six and a half up on the Brewers, I believe. So rough, rough kind of standings right now against the Cubs. So if you go in and win three, Four would be ideal, but let's go in and win three. I think that would be a big series for the Brewers. Kind of cool off the Cubs a little bit and then hopefully get your offense going for another tough series right after that. Like I said, I'm pretty sure they play the Twins immediately following the Cubs series. Yes, they do. They have off on that Monday after the Cubs, though. So the Corbin Burns thing is interesting like because he has been piggybacking with Brett Anderson this year. Did they do that versus the Cubs series? And then with the off day next week, elect to throw him in after that? Or will they kind of skip what would have been Brett Anderson start and have Woodruff pitch again against the Twins right away for the first game? Um, it would be kind of interesting to see how Craig Council elects to do all of that stuff. Yeah. Now that, now that you mentioned that, I would not be surprised if they – because they did this before on the other off day, I believe. they Or no, it was after what should have been the Cardinals series. They let Woody go on his normal rest, um, not including those off days with the Cardinals. And they let him pitch, even though technically he pitched like two games prior to that. So that might be what they elect to do. Because the more time you have Woody on the mound compared to anyone else, I'm a huge fan of Adrian Hauser. I'm a huge fan of Corbin Burns. But... If the option is between them and Brandon Woodruff, if you can get Brandon Woodruff on the mound, have standard rest for him, maybe putting him out there in the first game of the Twins series is going to be the way to go, and hopefully that starts off that series good. Yeah, I sure hope so, because the Twins, without Brandon Woodruff in the Twins series, 
this that we're recapping right now, that was that was rough. Yikes. <laughs> Do you think there's any sense of urgency or importance to taking two, maybe even three games versus the Cubs right now? Because after this four-game set, we only have one series left versus the Cubs, and that's about a month away in mid-September. So we're currently one and two versus the Cubs on the year, if you can remember back to opening weekend already. So... And you mentioned how far ahead the Cubs are of us in the standings. I think there is some you need to win this series or at least split it, in my opinion. I would tend to agree with you there is you have to have to at least have two of them. Um, and then after that, if you if you win the series, that is awesome. But I would say at the very least, you've got to split it. And that's going to be very important looking at the NL Central picture. Um, but at this point, maybe it's going to be tough to to come back against the Cubs. So maybe it's more focusing on making sure you're beating the rest of the NL Central um, and kind of focusing on that. But I think overall, this would be very, very important to win, get some ground up on the Cubs a little bit, and also kind of expand your lead against everyone else in the NL Central. You beat the Cubs and hopefully, you know, the NL Central can either beat up on themselves or the AL Central can beat up on the rest of the teams in the NL Central for a little bit too. Yeah, absolutely. I get your reasoning with that. From a Cubs standpoint, don't have a whole lot of news. Chris Bryant is still batting leadoff, which is still weird to think about. He did play left field today, actually, as opposed to third base where he normally plays. His batting average is still pretty low, but, I mean, when you've only logged, what, between 40 and 50 at-bats, you can easily still make that up. But otherwise, the Cubs, they're playing pretty good. Anthony Rizzo has four home runs already this year. I mean, all their... Other guys that are supposed to be contributing are doing so. They're hitting just under 300 or around there, and they've looked overall pretty solid, which is unfortunately not what I expected coming into the year. So, again, sense of urgency for me with this series. Anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here at all? I brought up the schedule just to kind of look at what's coming up. Maybe you can tell me this. But I am really confused as to why we get six games against the Twins and only play Cleveland three times and then play Detroit and the White Sox four. Why why don't we play the Twins four and the Indians four? I do not understand that. I have no idea either, and I was thinking about that as I realized that the Twin Series this, that we just recapped was three games. I was like, huh, how does that work? So I have no idea why the MLB decided to do that. Kind of sucks for us, though, if you ask me. Yeah, and I look further ahead, too, and we only play three against Kansas City. So that's really confusing. I don't know why we drew the short stick with playing the Twins six times. It's kind of weird, but I guess... Brewers got to go out there and beat the guys in front of them, right? It really doesn't matter what name is on the front of the jersey. You just got to go out there and beat them. Absolutely. You are right. So we will be back next week to recap the Chicago Cubs series. Hopefully better results than what we saw versus the Twins. And then we'll be right back at it against the Twins again, like we just mentioned. So... 
Everyone have a safe and fun-filled weekend, and we will catch you later, Brewer fans. Trust in Burns. <laughs>